Hello and welcome to another episode of Here's the Point with Caden Kelly, a podcast where I, I talk about books that I read, all nonfiction books to help improve my health, my wealth, my wisdom, and my peace, help me live a better life. And this podcast keeps me accountable so that I do those things, so I read the books and talk about them and understand the content, and then I share them, another way for me to process the information, but also allows you to apply the information that I'm learning uh, for yourself, to apply all of the wisdom to help you live a better life as well. This podcast is supplementary to my main podcast, Book Club with Caden Kelly, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and you can find it by searching Book Club with Caden Kelly. Uh, it's uh, the longer form of this podcast. I do This podcast is usually about 15 minutes, and that one's about 60 to 90 minutes long. So if you like the conversation here, I highly recommend you go check out that podcast, or if anything, I recommend you check out the book that we're going to be discussing. You can find links to the podcast as well, also my social, the TikToks and Instagram videos that I make, and any all the blog entries that help uh, s- supplement this content through kadenkellysblog.wordpress.com. Find all of the content over there. Otherwise, let's get started. Last week, I read a book called The Quest for Character by Massimo Pigliucci. I think that's how you say it. It's spelled M-A-S-S-I-M-O-P-I-G-L-I-U-C-C-I. The Quest for Character. What the story of Socrates and Alcibiades teaches us about our search for good leaders. Uh, About our boy Massimo, huh? Let me read his bio really quick in the book. Highly reputable person. Massimo Pigliucci is the K.D. Irani Professor of Philosophy at the City College of New York. He holds Ph.D.s in genetics, evolutionary biology, and philosophy. The author or editor of 16 books, he has published articles in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, and Salon. Yeah, S-A-L-O-N, among others. He lives in Brooklyn, New York. This was an awesome book. Um, again, I got this. I got I keep this podcast short, so I got to summarize the lessons that we learn. But uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to try to condense the info. If you want to l- learn more about how to be a better person, how to improve your character, how to live more virtuously, the consequences of living more virtuously. If you want more d- uh, details on the stories that we go over, go check out the other podcasts. Otherwise, if you know if you've listened before, you know that I will read the book and I'll take notes on my phone and. Uh, that's what I go off of. It's, it's where all the content comes from. It's from the notes on my phone. <laughs> so that's what I'm reading if you're watching the video. Um, so let's skim through. Chapter one uh, is called Can Virtue Be Taught? Uh, which is an interesting way to start the book because, um, well, first off, the book focuses a lot on on Socrates and his experience with Alcibiades, who was a political figure at the time. Socrates was is one of the most influential philosophers, maybe the most influential. Um, he's like the grandfather or the godfather of Stoicism. And Alcibiades, again, a political figure, relied on Socrates' wisdom to make good decisions. However, what we learned through the book is that Alcibiades ultimately failed to apply the lessons that Socrates taught. Uh, and there are a few re- few different records of Socrates. Okay, so there's two main records of Socrates concluding that virtue can be taught, and another record 
suggesting that virtue cannot be taught. And I don't, he goes over them, the sources, they're both written by Plato, which was Socrates' student. Uh, but I don't remember the the books or how they came to those conclusions, and I'm I would be really interested to he- read why Socrates came to both of those conclusions because you know con- contradicting conclusions. But uh, anyway, so can virtue be taught? Uh, the answer is a little mysterious. I think the answer is no, but uh, I think it's kind of conclusively conclusively no. But uh, you know who the fuck am I? Uh, so, can virtue be taught? Uh, let's from the chapter. There are two kinds of arete or arete, r e a r e t e, which is Latin for excellence or virtue. There is intellectual arete and there is moral arete, and I'll probably just use the word excellence or virtue in place of arete because I don't know how to pronounce it. Intellectual virtue is the ability to successfully navigate life's trade-offs while maintaining our integrity as decent human beings. And moral excellence or virtue is habitual rep- repetition, both essential to living good lives um, or to, to living virtuous lives. So, uh, yeah. Okay, let's keep going. The goal of this book, can, can we make ourselves into better human beings? Can we help others do the same? And can we get the leaders of our society to care about the general welfare so that humanity may prosper, not just economically and materially, but also spiritually? Uh, again, I think the answer is, the ans- can we make ourselves better? Yes. Can we, help, can we help others do the same? Yes. Can we get leaders of our society to care about the general welfare? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that's up to the general, I think that's up to the leaders to, to be virtuous themselves. Again, just that's just from my time reading this book and thoughts on it. Chapter two, um, alas, Alcibiades, what a condition you suffer from. This is this is an explanation of the Socratic method, how Socrates taught his students and taught po- politicians and people in his time. I'm not going to go through it. Too much detail. Um, yeah, chapter three is a history of Alcibiades to get, to understand him. Chapter four is an understanding of of uh, Socrates, who he is. Um, he shares in chapter four what the true meaning of a, uh, what the true what a true teacher is, and so a true teacher. I get I get nervous in my head because I know that I want to turn these into TikToks now. That's what I've been doing is converting these. Ep- so I I think that's why I'm starting to freeze sometimes when I'm sharing these thoughts. But I got to get that out of my head. A true teacher is somebody who. Um, doesn't fill empty heads with their own opinions. A true teacher is someone who persuade, or not even persuades, but uh, um, maybe I'll, I'll look it up really fast. But so yeah, so if there's a person who wants to learn how to be a better person, they want to live a more virtuous life, more ethical life. They want to be excellent. Um, first, you got to find a teacher, find a find someone who's a professional at their craft. But the goal of the teacher isn't to fill an empty mind with their own opinions. The goal of a true teacher is is to uh, lead person in the right direction. It's a valuable lesson for teachers of any time and place. Teaching is not a process by which instructors fill empty minds with their own notions. True teaching rather consists of gently guiding students, steering them away from fallacies, and slowly but surely toward a better grasp of things and ideas. Students then own their conclusions 
arrive at a better understanding and are able to internalize notions rather than simply regurgitate someone else's opinion. So a real a good teacher is helping a student come to their own conclusions. It's not they're not filling the kid with their own ideas. They're not they're not um yeah, they're not I love the way that he f- describes it. He, he's not a true teacher is not filling empty minds. A true teacher is guiding someone from fallacy to truth and helping them f- come to their own conclusions that they can confidently stand behind. Um and that's what Socrates does. That's what a wise person does. They don't fill a person with their own ideas. Like politicians might might say, this is a good idea because of such and such and such, and believe me, because of this, because of what I just said. But a, a truly wise person or a good teacher will present an idea and back it up with specific claims and research and studies. But uh, but a uh, but a teacher is they're gonna is gonna explain maybe this is maybe this is good and maybe this is not but what do you think so how do you how how are you going to get to your own conclusion it requires a lot more effort than just being taught or being told what is true what's good it requires being a better person requires a lot more effort than just being told what to do uh so that's chapter four chapter five teaching virtues to a politician um extreme ownership yeah the failure of the student is the responsibility of the student not the teacher um Okay, so the end of chapter five and in chapter six, they go through six different case studies. Chapter five examines um, the influence that philosophers had on politicians, if they were successful or not. And chapter six is the influence of philosophical leaders had on their peers and the other other politicians. And the conclusion really was that these people of a virtuous and or yeah, a virtuous person can't make someone else virtuous but by their example can influence someone to be better or can help guide someone to be better you can't change someone's internal intention or motivations which we'll talk about later in the book but if someone has good intentions from the beginning you can set an example of what it's like to be a good person live a virtuous life be excellent and help them do the same for themselves but it starts with that individual. It's not that you can influence someone to do good and, and you can influence change, but you can't make somebody change. You can't make someone a better person. You can't change someone from whom, who they are to who they're not. That's not within your power. It starts with the individual. Uh, so that's, yeah, they go through several case studies, six case studies. Uh, chapter seven, philosophy and politics. So this chapter seven and chapter eight are where all the meat are, baby. This book is mostly about the relationship between philosophy and politics and the quest for character. The last two chapters took specific, yeah, so chapter five and six took specific examples of the relationship to politics and philosophy. Chapter seven is a more broad philosophy, is, oh, is more broad, period. Philosophy in the ancient sense was someone who attempted to live mindfully and ethically, the theory and practice of the art of living. But philosophy today might be considered someone that went to, university and got a degree in philosophy like our boy massimo he he's like theoretically a philosopher but uh, but in the ancient sense of the word a philosopher was someone who lived by the virtues that they taught um okay so socrates offers three arguments on why it is better to live a just life over an unjust life or a virtuous life to an unvirtuous life the first being a person, a just person is wise and an unjust person is unwise. 
Uh, two, injustice produces internal disharmony, especially potent when we consider ourselves just and are confronted with evidence to the contrary. This is cognitive dissonance. When we think that we're in the right or when we, you know, if we're ignorant in some regard and think that we're doing the right thing, but then we're shown or told or taught that we're doing the wrong thing or causing harm, this causes cognitive dissonance. And um, that and cognitive dis- dissonance is a result of living an unjust life or living a, uh, yeah, living a non-virtuous life. Really, we're letting our ego dictate what, who we are, what we believe, how the world should be. But a wise person is allowing things to fluctuate. It's examining all angles to, a, to specific problems or conditions. And, uh, that, uh, and the openness, the open-mindedness helps us make better decisions. It helps the world be in a better place rather than thinking that we have all the answers and then being disheartened when we're shown that, no, we're actually making a lot of mistakes. And then the third is virtue brings out the best in people. Yep. Sweet. Um, I have a – I go on a tangent on how, why I think philosophers should be uh, next to the president in power. Uh, philosophers, historians, and economists. You should go listen to the other episode for that. I don't have enough time to explain my reasoning. And then chapter 8 – oh, the final thought in chapter 7 is overall – Good values and moral judgments are essential in our political leaders or chaos will, sh- will surely ensue. Chapter 8, it's all about character. There are four, okay, so we know the four platonic or the four, the four cardinal virtues, which are courage, justice, wisdom, and temperance. He examines two more core virtues that lie within Confucianism, Taoism, Buddha- Buddhism, Hinduism, Athenian philosophy, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. All of these um, different beliefs or religions see the same six principles. Sorry, the same six virtues. Courage, justice, humanity, temperance, wisdom, and transcendence. This goes back to, this goes back to what I said last week about it's not what's, what's more important than the source of what you're being taught is what you're being taught. If your source is Christianity or Judaism or Athenian philosophy or Buddhism, doesn't matter as much as what you're being taught. It doesn't. Uh, 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 I I just read off of that list, but like what? It doesn't matter if what you're learning comes from Confucianism or Christianity or Judaism or um, astrology or Mother Nature. Those things don't matter as much as the lessons that you're learning and what you're preaching and what you're practicing. What matters far more is, is what you're learning and what you're practicing making you a better person and making the world around you better? Or is it making things worse? So what matters less is the source and what matters more is the message, right? There's, I, know, I have an ethical problem with some, like, with claiming some sources is valid or is real or authentic. But again, that matters less than what the message you're being taught is or what message you're conveying to others. That's it. And that's really it. Yeah. So there's, um, he goes over effective strategies to improve your character, which are having good role models, conscious situation selection, um, knowing yourself, ineffective strategies like doing nothing, virtue labeling and nudging, 
Um, yeah. Again, I you know I'm I'm pretty much out of time. If you like this, if you like this conversation, go check out the other podcast. Uh, I don't need to share that last thought. So yeah, that's it, baby. That's that is the quest for character. I really liked it. I loved the way that he outlined this book, the the ideas that he propagated, the way he used a ton of historical uh, uh, historical context and experiences and historical figures and th- and how they compose themselves, philosophers and their politicians, um, the consequences of good decision making and bad decision making. Great book. By Massimo Pigliucci, The Quest for Character. Next week, we'll be reading another book. So uh, if you want to join the uh, the book club, I do that podcast live. You can join us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. I have links to those in my blog, kadenkellysblog.wordpress.com, where you'll find a bunch of other content, links to other stuff. And uh, all with the intent to help us live better lives, baby. But it starts with you. You're the only one that can live – that can. It, it starts with you if you want to be a better person. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't want to be a better person, you're probably not going to learn much. You're not going to apply anything. But if you want to improve your life, the condition of your life, but also your outlook on life, you're going to apply the lessons that we're learning from these really wise people. So that's how it goes. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thank you.